0: Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. I want to start by doing what I do most weeks in this series and reviewing a little bit of where we've been. I want to look at the past before we move into the present and the future. So we've learned so far that God created a beautiful universe and a paradise. But we, in the midst of that paradise, chose death and we fell into corruption. And that's what happened to planet earth. We've been learning that we can't blame God for all the problems on this planet that most of them are primarily because human beings have done their own thing, right? We can't blame God for the wars that we see. We can't say God's a mean God because people are dying unjustly. We have to look at human beings and what sin has done. and We even have to look at the power of Satan, the reality that there is a dark force at work on this planet influencing people, twisting and distorting God's truth, and people do terrible things to each other. We also learned that God made a promise. He picked Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, and he made a promise to them that he was going to restore things. And we learned that Jacob had 12 sons, and out of that 12 sons came a nation called Israel. And then they went into Egypt, and during that time they went into Egypt, they were enslaved for 430 years. And while they were enslaved, they cried out to God, and God heard their cry. And he continued his plan to rescue them from Pharaoh and from Egypt. Today, we're going to learn, you know, by, by the way, last week we learned about the Exodus, right? We learned that Moses was a type of Jesus and he was like a savior. And he led his people out with signs and wonders and plagues. And they came out of Egypt and began to go out into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. Today, we're going to learn about kings and kingdoms that make up God's people. We're going to see that people like us, like you and me, and in the Bible as well, want just and competent leaders. And that all of us are yearning to have good leaders over us. We're going to see that Israel, like America, often put its hopes in their leaders and in their kingdom, and that those leaders failed far more than they succeeded. And we're going to see that we're ultimately, all of us in this room, human beings are ultimately yearning to be ruled over by the king of kings, and his name is Jesus. And that he's the true king and the true leader that all of us are looking for, and he is the only king, truly, that lays down his life for his people. He's the king that showed us a new way, a new model. He showed us that the way to go up is to go down, that servant leaders become the great ones. He, he modeled that for us. And so today I want to start with the idea that human beings are yearning. There's something in us that yearns for good leadership. That there's a cry in us for good leadership, and we'll see this in the nation of Israel. First Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 7, we're going to look at a lot of Bible today. If you're not used to reading the Bible, you're going to get a chance to read a lot of the Bible today. Somebody go, woo, woo. It says, verse 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel. Samuel was a great prophet at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you are old. <laughs> wow, that, that's kind of rough, isn't it? That's, that's the starting point of the, of the conversation. Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us, notice this, like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. How many of you notice when you read the Bible many times, you got to read between the lines. And you, you don't just read the text, you feel the text. You enter into it. And I don't know if you noticed as you read this, but as I read that text, I felt the heaviness of God's heart. I felt the sadness of God's heart. They've not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me from being king over them. And verse 19 says, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. What does that mean? Samuel told them, listen, if you have a king, this is what kings will do. They'll take your children. They'll conscript them into the army. They'll make them work their fields. Your sons will die in battle. All these things will happen. If you let men rule over you, they will abuse their authority. They will abuse their power, and you'll pay a price. But the people didn't listen to Samuel because they wanted to be like the other nations around them. And they said, look what it says, they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That's just like us. We want, we want leaders, we want great people to go out there and fight our battles for us. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to a city. And out of that, a man named Saul was chosen. Now Saul was interesting because the Bible says he was head and shoulders above the rest. He was taller. He had a kingly um, kind of state about him. He carried himself in a way that attracted attention. People looked at him. When he was chosen and put in as king, everybody's like, yeah, he's kingly. See, they were more concerned about the image of the king than they were about the character of the king. They were looking at what he looked like on the outside, and they were judging based upon that, and it got him in trouble. Now, Saul became Israel's first king, and this happened in 1050 B.C., and he ruled for 40 years, and he failed miserably. He ended up losing the kingdom to David And He became a type for us of leaders that stand head and shoulders above the rest and meet all of the needs of a good image and yet don't have a heart or a character after God. And we do that all the time in this country. And the people exchanged the rule of God for the rule of man because they wanted to be like the world around them and they wanted to be in charge of their own destiny. See, they didn't want to trust God. Israel didn't want to be governed by God himself. They wanted a king they could be proud of that the other nations could see. They wanted to have somebody that they could say, you got a good king, look at our king. Look how tall he is. Look how stately he is. You know, one of my desires today, one of my motives today as I share this message with you is that we would stop and look at ourselves. That we would recognize that our country and our time is very similar to that country and that time. That we would recognize that there's something in all of us that wants leaders to be our heroes. And we put all of our eggs in the basket of a political party, of a leader, right? We're trusting people to make America great again. And I'm not saying I'm not, listen, I'm not slamming anybody. I am just simply saying that there's not a man on this planet that can make America great again. The first question we have to ask, yeah. The first question we ask is, was America ever great? Right? So how do you make something great again if it necessarily wasn't great? America's a great country. I love our country. But let me just tell you this. For some people in our country, America has never been great. Right? We need to recognize that this is across the board. We have to look at what is the history of our own nation? What is the history of our, our own leaders? And the reality is, is that we put too much trust in a party in a candidate, in a person, and we do it in the church, we do it in leadership and corporations, we do it wherever there are people in leadership. We want them to be bigger than life. We want them to lead the way. We want them to be our heroes. And inevitably, when we put our hearts in people, when we pedestal people and we trust people to turn it around and make us great, we always end up disappointed because people inevitably fail when they're given power that's the reality and so god wants us to see that the real desire and the real design of god is that he would be our king that he would rule that he would set up his throne right here in the human will and from the inside out rule us and reign over our lives and that through us we would bring his kingdom into the earth and his kingdom isn't part of a party let me just tell you jesus is not a republican I'm sorry, some of you right now are tripping out that I said that. And Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is a true independent. Right? He rules and reigns in the affairs of men. He's not beholden to any leader. And he's not on anyone's side. We get this wrong many times. We, we, we're like, you know, God, God's on this party's side. Or God's with this candidate. Or this person. But the reality is not whose side is God on, but are we on God's side? There's a story in the book of Joshua where Joshua comes up to the walls of Jericho and God has told him to lead the people into Jericho to sack it. And he's he's assessing the walls. He comes up to the walls and he's checking them out and he meets a warrior there. And this warrior's great and he comes up to the warrior and he recognizes greatness. You know, greatness recognizes greatness. And he looks at this warrior and he says to him, are you with us or are you with them? And I love the warrior's answer. No, rather. And then he says, I'm the captain of the Lord's hosts. That means Lord's armies. And Joshua backs up, takes his shoes off of his feet, because the theologians will tell you and scholars will tell you that what he was seeing was a pre-incarnate and Old Testament vision of Jesus known as the Christophanes. And he backs up and he takes the sandals off of his feet and he kneels down because he recognizes that he's in the presence of the Lord. And the bottom line is basically, the most important thing here, Joshua, is not if I'm for you. Or, not, or rather, not, yeah, not that I'm on your side or on their side. Are you with me? And Joshua responded Rightly. The best thing to do is to recognize who's sovereign, who's king, who's lord, and to bow. And he did. He bowed. Amen? Amen. So then Saul fails, and God raises up a new king. His name is David. He's a king after God's heart. But you know what? He's also a sinner. They're all sinners. I should say, we're all sinners, Right, and here's this great man, David, and I want you to see a little bit about David. As I said, we're going to read a lot of Scripture. But 1 Samuel 13, 14, when the Lord is talking to Saul, he says this, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And then in 2 Samuel, we learn about David's rule. We see what a great leader he was. In 2 Samuel 7, it says this, now therefore... Thus you shall say to my servant David, this is the, the prophet Nathan speaking, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers I will raise up your offspring after you and you and who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever he's speaking of of solomon but he's also speaking of jesus you'll see this in the next couple of verses verse 14 i will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son when he commits iniquity i will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men but my steadfast love will not depart from him as i took it from saul whom i put away from before you and your house and your kingdom "...shall be made sure forever before me, your throne shall be established forever." And what we go on to learn later in the Bible in the New Testament is that Jesus is the son of David that that God is speaking to right here. And his throne has been established forever. For when he died on the cross and then was buried and rose again, the scripture says he ascended on high and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and he began what's known as his session as ruler over all the nations of the earth. Not just heaven, but over the nations of the earth. And Revelation tells us that he shall reign Listen to that. He shall reign until he has put all his enemies under his foot. So Jesus right now, you may not realize it because sometimes it looks like this planet's out of control, but right now Jesus reigns from heaven, will return again, and he's in the process by the work of his Holy Spirit and his church and missions and and, and sick people being healed and lost people being found and people being restored and reconciled. That's the kingdom of heaven spreading in the earth, and as it spreads in the earth, more and more people are brought under the influence of that kingdom, and there will come a day when he will return, and he will complete what he started, and all nations will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where we're going. Second Samuel then 8:14 and 15. Is that the right text cuz I messed up in the first service and didn't realize it till later. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So that are we there? Oh, that Okay, yeah, 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 there it is. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went, so David reigned over all Israel, and David administered justice and equity to all the people. So he was a man after God's heart. He was blessed and considered the greatest king of Israel. God blessed him as long as he followed him and did what was pleasing to him, but David was a sinner, and I'm not gonna be able to read the text, but he was a guy who blew it big time. He committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, and then secretly had Bathsheba's husband murdered and after he did this, horrible consequences came on his life. His life, his family, his kingdom suffered greatly. He was never the same again. His kingdom was never the same. He never quite recovered. He was a faulty leader and a sinner. And it goes to show us that even the great ones, even the ones that we start to go, man, we have so much hope they're going to do it great, even they falter and they fail because they're made of the same stuff that you and I are made of. We don't recognize sometimes the pressures that are on leaders. The pressures that that come against them that we don't experience. And those pressures and that power comes and corruption gets in. A little compromise gets in. And before you know it, you're sneaking around doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. And it undoes every good thing you've done. Because that's the nature of humanity. We need a Savior. We need a King who will save, rescue us from ourselves. Am I talking to anybody? Yeah. Okay. And then we see David as a son named Solomon. We just saw that prophesied. He's the great and wise king of Israel. But you know what? Solomon too. he is a sinner. I mean, he blew it big time. Solomon was David's son through Bathsheba. He ruled Israel when its territory was the largest. He made it the largest and the wealthiest it would ever become. He did more building and expanding than any other king. He was the wisest man ever in Israel's history and made Israel a nation to be envied during the greatest part of his rule. But he was a sinner. 1 Kings chapter 4 tells us this, so Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. This is under Solomon's rule, verse 24, for he had dominion over the region west of the Euphrates, from Tipsa to Gaza, over all the kings west of the Euphrates. And he had peace on all sides around him. And Judah and Israel lived in in a safety, in safety, from Dan even to Beersheba. Every man, look at this, every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of Solomon That's what God had told them would happen when they took the promised land. I'll bring you into the promised land. Every man will have his own vine and his own fig tree. You'll live in peace. You'll dwell securely. You'll be blessed because you'll be under my covenant rule. But once again, we'll see here in a minute that even Solomon couldn't keep it right. He couldn't keep it together. Verse 29 says, and and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. That means the dude was really smart. He was kind of that day's Einstein. He did it all. You'll see that in just a minute. Um, and So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of the people of the east and of all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. Wiser than Ethan, the Ezrahite, and Heman, and Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. How many of you would like to be up here reading this right now? And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs. Now we have 30 proverbs, but he spoke 3,000 of them. Oh, he wrote those thirty. By the way, I don't know if you knew that. And, and check it out. And his songs were one thousand five. What do you think, Drew? Dude wrote thousand five songs. Well, wow. he spoke of trees from the cedar that is in the Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and reptiles and fish, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and from all and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And then first, excuse me, is it First Kings ten? First Kings ten. Uh, yes. No? Yes? Okay. Well, it's not 1 Samuel though, so that's that's not where we really need to be going. That's not the right, that's not the right text. Remember we, we changed it in the first service? Anyway, it goes on to say, thus, I'm sorry about that. That was my mistake. I put the wrong text in there. Thus the king, listen to this, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth In riches and wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God put into his mind. Verse 27 And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. Now think about this Solomon was a poet, a songwriter, a wisdom writer, a botanist, a horticulturist, a zoologist, and a professor. We know that about him. In the, he did all of that stuff. He was probably among the most intelligent people to ever live on planet earth. He prospered the economy with his policies. He made Israel an envied nation at that time. He was among the most qualified, blessed, gifted, and beloved leaders ever. And yet he sinned greatly and turned away from God. And he caused his own people to turn away from God too. And this takes me to the next text. And this is 1 Kings, right? 11, yes. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. And from the nations concerning which the, concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses. Dude was crazy. And 300 concubines. I heard somebody say, some little girl said, did, did he have 300 porcupines? And, and look, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And so he did for all his foreign wives, verse, verse 8 who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods, and the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. The Lord had appeared to Solomon two different times, and his heart still went away from the Lord and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Now let me stop here and say a couple of things. First of all, the text is not saying women are bad. So ladies, don't be worried. That's not what it's saying. Not saying women are bad. What it's saying is, and and neither is it saying that God is against interracial marriage. Because some people take these kind of texts and say that. No, what God is against is when His people who worship Him marry people who worship other gods. Because their hearts get pulled away. Or they don't worship any God at all. When they have relationships that are not equal under the Lord. God doesn't want us marrying people or or making alliances with people that don't love Him. Because if you've ever seen those relationships, they don't work. I've been a pastor for a long time I want to tell you the number of times I've seen people Over the years marry someone who's Not a believer they don't passionately Love Jesus like they do and initially Like they, they say the right words right They'll they'll say I love God because they want To get you and then they get you and All of a sudden you're like hey let's go to church let's Love Jesus together and they're like I ain't going to church And I don't want you to go to church you're crazy And all of a sudden you have a house divided And you have conflict So the thing that God always warned his people About was don't intermitter marry with people that don't have the same passion for God, because when you do, they'll pull your heart away. And so God had told Solomon and all his people, don't marry all these foreign wives, because they'll turn your heart toward their gods, and they'll pull you away. And that's what happened. So, so first of all, ladies, he's not saying women are bad. He's not saying the women are wonderful. But listen, there's no woman in the world that would want 700 husbands... And any man that would want 700 wives is, needs, needs therapy. This dude needed some help and 300 porcupines on top of it. That, that is a bad affair right there, okay? This guy was a nutcase. So here he is. Think about it. He's super smart. He can do all this stuff. He's super wealthy. He's built up Israel. It's known throughout the world. People travel all over just to come and sit at his feet. The dude is so smart he's stupid. Right? And it just goes to show you that if your heart isn't after God, it doesn't matter how smart you are. I've known some really smart fools. I'm serious. You think about it. People that are incredibly intelligent but can't make good choices. Can't make good choices in their lives. They destroy. Their self-destruction comes in. Right, So the whole point of the story is, Solomon, what are you doing? Now think about it. God appeared to him personally two times, and still his heart ran after false gods. It's heartbreaking. And then we go to what happened. After that, we we see that the kingdom divided. And we see divided kings and kingdoms, and we see good kings and bad kings. Look at what happens uh, with Israel in 1 Kings 11, 11 through 13. It's, this is what God said to, to um. King Solomon after that, he said, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you've not kept my covenant and my statutes that I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and I'll give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I'll not do it in your days, but I'll tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I'll give one tribe to your son. It was actually two because his tribe was already Judah and he gave him one more tribe, which was Benjamin. So I'll give Um, one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. See, David made mistakes. He committed adultery. He was a man of blood. The scripture says he was violent, but he never turned away from God. But Solomon turned away from God and worshiped false gods. And great judgment came on his life because of it. So then what happened? Israel divided. It went through a civil war. Sound familiar? And interestingly enough, it was split between north and south. And the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. There were ten tribes in the north and two tribes in the south. And here's what's sad. Israel in the north had 20 kings, and all of them were evil. Israel was established separately in 930 B.C., and it lasted until 722 B.C., when Assyria destroyed them. Israel as a kingdom only lasted 200 years after, 208 years after Solomon, and they had some really evil kings. Here's an example, Ahab, 1 Kings 1630, look what it says, and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him, and then it goes on to say all the evil things he did. And then Judah, the southern kingdom, also had 20 kings. 11 were evil, excuse me, 12 were evil, and 8 followed the Lord. To some degree, Judah was established also in 930 BC. It lasted till 586 BC, and Babylon came in and destroyed them. Judah only lasted as a kingdom for 344 years, and we have some examples of good and bad kings here as well. Uh, Judah's bad king here. I'll, I'll give an example of his Jehoram. Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. As the house of Ahab had done, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then Josiah. Then you have these shining stars that showed up every once in a while. Josiah. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Can you imagine that? An eight-year-old ruler? Yeah. Can, can, think about that. That's scary, isn't it? Think about an eight-year-old president. It's terrifying. Okay, my fellow Americans, <laughs> I want to address you today in the State of the Union address. Okay, it's, not, it's just not going to work, man. Not, I can't I can't have respect. But he was eight years old when he began to reign. And look what it says. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was J- Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkoth. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in all the way of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. So once again, what we see is Israel ends up dividing and you have some good kings on Judah's side and all evil kings on Israel's side and most of Judah's kings were also evil. You see this pattern that we put all of our eggs in the basket of having great leaders and they fail us. They let us down. They disappoint us over and over because we were made for one king. Amen? Do you believe that? And that takes me to my last point and I'm, finished. I'm coming in for a landing. The king that we're looking for is not a sinner like David or Solomon He's not evil like the kings of Israel. He's not evil like most of the kings of Judah. The king that we're looking for, that we're yearning for, is a savior. He's not a sinner, he's a savior. And his name is Jesus. Look what it says in Matthew 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. And we have come to worship Him. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Revelation 17, 14, as the Bible is wrapping up, it says, and they, the Antichrist in the system, they will make war on the Lamb, that's Jesus, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords, and notice the King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. So Jesus is the ruler. Jesus is the king whose star rose and he's the one king of all kings that you and I are looking for the whole story of the Bible as it tracks the story of Israel and Judah it, it, there's always this sense of expectation there's one yet to come there's one yet to come they were always looking forward for a Messiah a savior a king a ruler who is just who is merciful who was kind who is holy who is good and Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that and he's the son of David and he is the promised king of every king amen? amen and he's the leader he's the leader that you and I are looking for who will rule with that justice that mercy and that love he'll never let you down now I'll tell you this he he won't do what you want him to do right he, he you might you know you might say king Jesus I want this in my life and he might say no that's not good for you that'll hurt you and so he, he will let you down sometimes because he won't give you what you want that could be bad for you, but you can count on the fact that he'll give you what's right and what's good and what will make you the best person you can be for his glory and for his name. He is a king that you can count on. He'll never let you down. You don't have to put your trust in presidents and Congress, and Supreme Courts, you don't have to hope that there's going to come some kind of messianic figure that's going to rise up and, and make America everything we want it to be. We can trust in Jesus Christ alone. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Men may rise, kingdoms may come, but they'll all be cast aside ultimately, and the one who will reign will be Jesus Christ our Lord. Why don't you stand with me? Amen.